Hello, podcast people. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. We've got a great sermon today from our college pastor, Stephen Murray, continuing walking through 1 Peter. We're going to talk about the call that we have on our lives to set our hope fully on the grace that God gives us. Stephen's going to talk to us about how we do that. Really excited to share it with you today. A couple of things for you before we get into the message. Number one, December the 4th is our next giving day. You're going to hear a little kind of blurb on the why behind why we're giving. Number two, we've got some announcements from our communication team. And then you're going to get this great sermon that I believe is going to encourage you, inspire you, and help you walk in the grace that God has for you. We are in the middle of a building uh, move, a building transition, if you will, uh, which uh, I'm pumped about. Uh, I hope that you are as well, um, because it means God's doing a new thing. God's doing a new thing in our in our church family. God's doing a new thing in our city. And so uh, if you don't know, we're moving um, in the next few months or so to a new location around 635 in Abrams, uh, which is in an area... Um, that I'm excited about. A lot of diversity. They call it the refugee corridor. So literally people from all different parts of the world and nations and people groups are right in our backyard. Um, and so in in preparation for the building move and also for own hearts, we're having a That We May uh, campaign. So we're trying to, our goal is, is asking the Lord to, to raise $150,000 um, that goes towards the building to kind of finish out everything. But the why behind the what is so much more than just a, uh, an AC unit and, uh, you know, just things to finish out the kids' room and things like that that are important um, and things to meet building codes. But it's, it's the people. Uh, this morning we were uh, praying before the service, and our, our family's pastor, Donnie, was talking about how we could pray for the kids and talking about how, you know, with, with his own daughter, that he's encouraging, um, encouraging her not to just think about the season in, in a way of receiving, but also that we can be giving. I don't know if you've ever had one of those, like, yeah, let's teach the kids that, and you're like, that's a good word for me, you know, like, that was for me this morning, just like, okay, I, I want to be have a posture of giving, and so when we're giving to the That We May campaign, um, it's not... It's not really, it's, it's for the people that we're going to serve. Um, it's for people that, that God has on his heart that are going to hear the gospel for the first time, that God's going to heal their marriages, that God's going to, uh, to, to change um, generations. And so we're really excited about that. So we're having three giving days. Our next giving day is next Sunday. So just wanted to prepare you for that um, and have a letter here I wanted to read you guys. Um, from uh, someone um, in our church who uh, was, he, they prayed and said, Lord, what would you have us give? And this is the note that, um, that they wrote to Pastor Zach. Uh, it'll be anonymous, the, uh, the person who, who wrote it, but it's, it's really encouraging to me. A few weeks ago, we heard the initial plan uh, for the new site, and Pastor Zach asked us uh, to listen to God um, for what we may give, and we did. We are incredibly blessed to have found this extraordinary group of people. And while we could find a million uses for this money, not a single one of them would be as worthy and as impactful as what God has planned for this church and community. We are looking forward to what lies ahead for the church, community, and our family. Thank you for being such an incredible blessing to us. We're excited to grow with you in faith and in our, in our roots. Um, super encouraging. And that's just, just want to say that's, it's an honor to get to be a part of like a church family that that's so many of you guys' hearts in here. So just want to remind you that next week is, is giving day. Hello, Antioch Community Church. We're so glad that you're here this Sunday. 
My name is Savannah Reynolds and I'm part of the pastoral leadership team and this morning I want to tell you about a couple of things that you won't want to miss out on that are going on around our church. Our community outreach is coming up for the month of December and we would love for you to join us. This is a great way for us as a church family to learn how to love our neighbors and grow in sharing our faith in the community. Our That We May campaign is in full swing. Our next giving day is Sunday, December 4th. And That We May is our building campaign to raise $150,000 for our new location. That We May make an impact in our city and in the nations of the earth. You can check out more about That We May on our website. Those are our weekly announcements. We are so thankful for you and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Take a seat, guys. Thanks for coming this morning. So thankful for you guys that you're here. How many of you enjoyed Thanksgiving? It's awesome. That cranberry sauce. Bless the Lord. We should make that a part of communion. I don't know. I got to clap. Um, man, Thanksgiving was awesome. I took one of our international students at SMU with us, and the only word he come, came away with was, that was legendary. <laughs> and I was just like, yes, America. Um, so thankful for you guys. Thankful for Thanksgiving. Um, I'm excited to preach this morning. We're in a series called Strong Grace. Zach's been killing it, and I'm about to bring it back to life. <laughs> um, my message is titled, This Morning, Hopefully. Um, and usually when we see this word, hopefully, we think of it in kind of like a negative kind of light, because we're like, hopefully, you know, no one will walk in on me when I'm in the bathroom, because that would be great. Anytime someone walks into the bathroom when I'm on the pot, I'm always like, <laughs> just like making sure they know like someone's in here. Like, and I, sometimes I start whistling and I'm like, I, anyone in the house do that. I don't know why I do that, but I do it. Thank, thank you guys. <laughs> I'm just being vulnerable. And there's just something about like, I, I would hate for something that's not supposed to happen to happen. Hope means confident expectation that something good will happen. And so that is something that it would, is good. No one would walk in on me. And that's something that I feel like I deserve. Usually when we think of hopefully, it's like a confident expectation of something that we deserve, right? As a husband, sometimes I'm thinking, and this is me being vulnerable again, hopefully my wife will wear something nice before I have to ask her to wear something nice. Um, hopefully, probably on her end, she's like, hopefully someone will do the dishes so I won't have to do them and I'll feel loved. And that sometimes, hopefully Aunt Janice doesn't come to Thanksgiving so I don't have to hear about her politics. Like we just, I don't know if anyone else in the room has those hopefullys, but that's not the hopefully that I'm preaching on today. I'm preaching on hope fully. So not, not just this confident expectation of something we deserve, but a confident expectation of our receiving of something we don't deserve. That is Jesus. Uh, this is what we are to set our hope fully in. So get ready, guys. I'm about to preach. So first, first Peter 1, we are going to continue in that passage, starting in verse 13. I'm going to read through the end of the passage, and then we're going to dissect it a little bit. Zach asked me to be practical. And so I'm going to go with Peter and be practical because that's what he does in this part. 
Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So that's my main verse today. Uh, So you can underline that if you want. Uh, As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. And so, Jesus, thank you for this word from Peter, and just ask, Lord, would you speak to us this morning? God, would you help us to set our hope fully on the revelation of Jesus in the coming days, God? And Lord, we ask, Lord, would you move us, position us into your grace, Lord, and give us a confident expectation of the one thing we don't deserve, God. And that's your grace, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen, guys. Well, as we start, I want to teach you how to hope fully. So I have four points today that you're going to hear, uh, and they come from the scripture that I just read. So number one is uh, to prepare your minds for action. And that comes from the first verse, verse 13. Uh, And also says, be sober-minded. And then the main point, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, And then these next two points come after that, but I feel like they point back to this command. Uh, This is a command for us to set our hope fully on God. And I just love that we're commanded to do that. Um, Because that that's there's just power within that. There's this commanding nature that Jesus is calling us to do something, and that is to set our hope fully on him. Uh, Number three, be holy for I am holy. And number four, love one another. And so uh I'm just going to walk through these, give you guys some practicals on how this can work itself out in your life. Um, Your hope is placed on a million different things every single day, and everything lets you down sooner or later. Uh, But this hope of Jesus will never disappoint you, it will never discourage you, it will never leave you hanging. Uh, It only left him hanging uh, so that you might receive relationship and reconciliation with God. And so... Number one, prepare your mind for action. I don't know about you, but when I think about preparing my mind for action, I feel like putting this on. So for those of you that played sports in high school or like me, sat the bench, um, when I put this on, it's game time. It's, I'm ready to go. I'm turning on Led Zeppelin's Ramble On. I don't know if any of you know that song. That was, for some reason, my warm-up song in high school. Everyone else is like, be ready, be ready. No one? 
Okay. Um, that Steve Hill was in the earlier service, and he gave me a glory wave on that one. So, um, but but really, like when I put this on, it's game time. I'm ready to go. And what Peter is talking about here, he's like, "Hey, I want you to prepare your mind for action." And so, your thought life is not something that is passive; it's something that is active, and it's something where you give yourself to these thoughts that actually help you to engage in the grace of God, help you to engage and get in the game. And so, I just want to say, you're in the game this morning. Prepare your mind for action. I'm going to throw a frisbee randomly at someone, and you're going to catch it. Boom! That man is prepared for action. Okay, now I want you to throw it back to me. Don't hit anybody. Oh my gosh. Game time. Okay. So um, I'm just going to continue to pass this as I preach the rest of my sermon. Um, So honestly, like when you play a game, it's okay. You missed it, but pick it up and there's grace. Yeah. Okay. Boom. Okay. So you got to position yourself uh, and having a mind that is prepared for action, uh, you might have to move somewhere you haven't been, uh, but you have to go there to, to be active. It's, it's an active thing that we have to participate in. It's not something where we can just sit in one place and not be changed. We have to move. We have to act. Um, so in, in this verse, it says, prepare your minds for action. In the Greek, this would, this would be translated more fittingly as gird up the loins of your mind. Um, my wife, Katie, that's her favorite verse in the entire Bible. I have no idea why, but it just is. Uh, and when I first told her I was preaching on this verse, she literally did this move. She said, gird up the loins of your mind. And so I don't know if that's what she does when she reads that verse every time, but if your quiet time looks like that, that is a quiet time filled with the truth and the joy of the Holy Spirit. So you should do it. Um, I'm going to show you a little graphic of a a how to gird up the loins of your mind. Uh, And so really like in this picture, you see this guy with a a long tunic. And what it means to gird up your loins is to pick up this this thing that's hanging down here and pull it up so that you might run into action. And so this first guy just looks like a normal Joe bro. And then the last guy who's ready to go, that dude is waging war. He's like about to cut some wheat or something. I don't know if that's like a weapon or if that's like for farming. I don't know. I think that guy's going to wage war. So this is the picture I want you to have in your mind as we're preparing our minds for action. We are picking up what is hanging down so that we might be actively engaged and not hindered in any way. Um, So here's your first practical ways to prepare your mind for action. Make time for the scripture. Okay, so making time for the scripture is just a predominant part of the Christian life because the word of God is filled with these truths that we can set our hope in and set our lives in and we will be forever changed if we believe in them, if we truly believe in them. The the scripture actually helps us get out of unbelief and into belief in God and trust in him. The scripture is filled with people who sought God, who trusted in him, who sought him out in, in the worst of trials and they made God their hope by contending for his word in their lives. And so, um, even if you just think about uh, David, David is one who, when he prepares his mind, he's like, bless the Lord, oh my soul, all that is within me, bless his holy name. He's literally commanding himself to engage his mind into the grace and mercy of God and to worship. Uh, and I just love that. And so and I, I say make time because usually we, we, we say we're going to, to take some time out of our schedule to 
to, for the scripture, but it's really easy for other things to invade and take that place. And so I'm saying make time. Uh, time is elusive. You need to make time. It's something that you need to be proactive in doing, and each of us in this room. And it's only, it's up to you. No one else can make time for you to get in the word. You have to make time for it. And so if you feel like other things are trying to invade and take your time away, you make time for the scripture. You get in the word. Um, another way, make time to change. So this is really just another part. When we read the scripture, uh, we read it to be changed. To know God is to change. Literally, when we get into the presence of God, there's there's no hope for us staying the same. And that's a that's a good thing. There's no hope for us to remain the same when we get in the presence of God. Uh, and so we have to make time to change, though. Our response matters. And so when we read the scripture, we don't just say amen with our mouth. We we make our amen into a man, and we live out that truth in some way in our life. And that leads me to the next point. Every revelation that we receive requires a response. I'm going to throw the Frisbee again. Man, that revelation hit that dude in the head. I'm sorry. Can you throw it back to me? I can't see. Oh, don't hit Jesus. Okay. Um, So... So the, to take this as a revelation. It's coming to you. It might pass over your head, and that's okay, because it's going to come back around, and it's going to find you, and you need to respond. You need to respond every time. If, if someone I threw this Frisbee to, I just hit the guy with coffee. I'm sorry. That was not good timing. You need to prepare your mind. That would be really awkward if I threw this Frisbee, and you just kept it. Like, and didn't bring, pull it back to me. You didn't, you didn't give it back to me. Like, I would probably be upset and my sermon illustration would end with you. Uh, and I think the same way, like a revelation that we receive from God doesn't end with us, it begins with us. We're supposed to be a people who keep the revelation going and keep, it, keep other people participating in it. So when we receive a revelation, I'm gonna give it to Jeremy. Boom, that's a worship leader right there. Look at that. Okay. Awesome. Um, so prepare your mind for action. Are y'all with me? Yeah. Okay. Number two, be sober minded. Okay. Uh, so the scripture says, and being sober minded, uh, and what I want you to, to think in this passage is exhibiting self-control. So a fruit of the spirit is exhibiting self-control. Uh, it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Um, and and so I want, I want you to see that Jesus is really a good image of self-control. We see him. Uh, he not only does what the Father is doing, and all, that's all he does, but he also he's willing to say no in order to accomplish God's purposes. He's willing to say yes to God at all costs, no matter what it is. Um, and, I, and I feel like for us to be sober-minded, we have to be completely given to God. We, we need to like... Uh, so Jesus has placed an authority over us. In Adam and Eve, that story, he says, he says, take dominion over all of creation. He's, he's made God in his image to take dominion and literally to be his representatives in the earth, uh, literally taking dominion over, over creation. And, and through that, showing God's glory, showing his majesty, showing God's character to all of creation. We're supposed to show God's character to all creation through the authority that he's given us to take dominion. And so when I see a sandwich, I say, I'm taking dominion over you. I'm putting you in my body and you will give me nourishment. I'm just kidding. I don't do that. 
But, but literally, that's what we're made for. The only problem is when sin enters our hearts and enters the world, we begin to pass that authority off onto other things. And those things begin to own us and take dominion over us. And the things that were never meant to dominate, never meant to take over us, begin to enslave us. And Jesus comes to restore that dominion that we were made for. He comes to restore the authority that you are made for to not be owned by anything. And so to be sober-minded is to say, God, I've given authority to these things, but no more. I am taking them back. I am being unhindered by the things I've given authority to that you have given to me. And I take them back in Jesus' name through the cross, through the gospel. Uh, And so this, this might be a, a negative emotion that you feel. This might be uh, a negative response you've been having. This might be uh, some, uh, it might be finances. It might be sex. It might be uh, relationships. It might be uh, really like anything to do with you being selfish and you being about yourself. You are never meant to be just about yourself. You are made to be about the glory of God and to make him known, and to make much of him and to glorify him. That was why you were made. And so, When we say we are going to be a sober-minded people, we are saying we are taking back the authority that is ours, and we have the mind of Christ. And, And so Jesus, as he has been given all authority in heaven and on earth, and so we will be his disciples who have all authority because he is with us. Um, So some practicals on being sober-minded. Number one, identify what is dominating you. So we just need to realize what what are those negative emotions we've been feeling? What are those accusations that we're hearing about who we are uh, because of what we've done? The accuser loves to accuse us. That's why we call him the accuser. Uh, But thanks be to God, we have an advocate in the Holy Spirit, a wonderful counselor that can lead us out of hearing these accusations and into hearing the pleasure of God over his people through his son. And so once we realize what's dominating us, we choose to starve it with the gospel and with our actions. This is up to God. God must do something in this. God, I'm asking you to starve this authority that has been taking over my life. And I, you can do that through fasting. You can do it through prayer. You can do it through worship. You can do it through being in community, being honest, being vulnerable, being transparent about where you're at, what's going on, so others can speak hope into you that you might set your hope fully into God. Um, And then also our actions. Uh, Your actions matter. Do you know that Jesus, I'm going to throw the Frisbee again. When Jesus comes, he gives all authority to his disciples to make known the hope of the gospel to all creation, that his glory might cover the earth. Um, and, And so within this, like within God's plan, he has given the church a a mandate, namely to make disciples and to make him known. And so God, God actually, his plan is to use you to be a, to you, for you to be a part of his plan and purposes. You cannot separate yourself because like what the scripture says, how will they hear if no one shares? How will they share if no one goes? How will they go if someone is not sent? Like, and, and all these things, like, the church is, is supposed to be in the game. You're in the game, guys. I'm going to throw the Frisbee one more time to the very back. Okay, I did not hit that same guy in the head. Praise the Lord. Okay, you're a woman of God. You can throw it. Sometimes you got to digest that revelation, and then you got to give it away. You got to give it away. Okay, 
Um, last one is a, a scripture from 1 Corinthians, and it's Paul talking, he's talking about sexual immorality and food and all these conflicts within the church. And he says, he says, I will not be mastered by anything. I will not allow anything to dominate me. And I feel like this is, this is the call of the church is to not be dominated by any created thing, but only by and be servants of the creator. Uh, and so when, when we say, I will not be dominated by anything, that is a faith declaration saying, these things do not own me. You own me, God. You purchased me with precious blood. You own my life. My life is yours. Amen? Amen. Okay. I'm going to hold on to the first B for a while. Number three, be holy for I am holy. I think when we read this, we kind of freak out because we're like, whoa, God's calling me to something I don't think I can do. Uh, holy means to be set apart. So just as uh, we took hopefully and we set it apart and made it hopefully. I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Thanks, guys. Um, but, but literally, God's desire is to set us apart, to usher us into a new reality that the world hasn't seen or experienced. I'm going to read the scripture. As obedient children, do not conform to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. I love this, that, that the, the scripture says, and this is heralding back to an Old Testament passage, you shall be holy for I am holy. And so God says, there's no ifs and buts about it. You shall be holy. And so it rests on the word of God and not on our own efforts. And so just as Jesus says, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples. Disciples will be made by the church because Jesus has said it. Jesus has said that it will happen, so it will happen. And God's word does not return void without accomplishing what he set it out to accomplish. And so when Jesus looks at someone and he says, go pick up your mat and walk, they don't just sit there. They stand up and they glory in God and they give him praise. And so I love this because Jesus says, you shall be holy for I am holy. I just want you to hear that this morning. Your holiness is not on you. It's on God. Even in the scripture, it says, faith, hope, and love remain but the greatest of these is love. So I want you to see faith, hope, and love all rest on the goodness, the faithfulness, and the mercy of God for them to be present in your life. Faith, hope, and love remain because they come from God and his word. And so your faith in God comes from him. It doesn't come from you. It is distributed to you. It's imparted to you as a gift. Your hope in God is given to you as a gift to give you this living hope in Jesus through the resurrection that you would know that he is coming again. And his love, you are not able to love without the love of God. If you do not know the love of God, you're not able to love with the love of God. And so these things come from him and they rest on him. They're dependent upon him not on you. And so um, I'm going to show you a quick video, and I think you're going to like it. And I hope it explains a little bit about this picture of he has called us to be holy, so we will be holy. Thank you. Any Rocky fans in the house this morning? This totally looks like Jasper. Oh, amen, brother. Wow. And so I hope what you see in that picture is just this, this little boy who has fixed his eyes completely on Rocky and just wants to image him in every way. 
and is literally like training with him. And you see like it's a joy of his like to enter into this training uh, that he sees Rocky doing. Uh, and I just feel like that's what God wants us to, to do as we fix our eyes on Jesus and we allow our hope to fully remain on the revelation of the grace of God revealed in Jesus and that it would impact the things that we do and the way we reflect him and the, the things we give ourselves to. Um, so I just love that. So here's some practicals on becoming holy for he is holy. Number one, give up the idea you can do it alone. So just as I said, it's not on you. So stop making you the main part. You're not the main part. God's holiness is the main part. Uh, he calls it over you. And then fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. Uh, he despised the shame and took up the cross uh, to take the wrath of God from you and put it upon himself that you might become holy uh, and that he purchased you for your own holiness. And your holiness is not just this expectation that he places over you, but this invitation into relationship and intimate uh, fellowship with God. And so your holiness actually gives you access into a relationship and intimate fellowship with God. Um, and the last one, uh, we receive his holiness through being reborn. Uh, and so literally we have to uh, learn how to live in a new way to conform to this new reality that Jesus brought, namely the kingdom of God. We were made for the kingdom of God. And so when Jesus has brought the kingdom of God, he has given us a new way of living. Um, and so being holy is learning this new way of living and be conformed to this new reality. Okay, last one, love one another. And so uh, I, and I think this is a response as well as something that really like stirs up setting our hope fully on the grace of God. Um, and so I just want you to know that to love someone else as a brother or a sister, um, you have to know God as father. And this, this scripture says that God is our father and he is our judge and that he judges impartially. How many of you want your father to be your judge? I just spent two weeks in jury duty and I would, I would love if I was on trial for my, my judge to be my father. Um, and that doesn't mean that my father is not going to judge me according to what I've done, but that he is going to give grace. He is going to give love. He's going to distribute mercy to me because I'm his son. And the way God has done that is through providing a sacrifice for our sin, Jesus. Uh, and so practicals on loving one another earnestly from a pure heart and we have to see God as father before we can see others as our sisters and brothers. Um, and number two, we need to experience and feel others' pain. Uh, so a, a lot of the time we spend our wheels trying to get others engaged with our own pains and our own trials and our own circumstances. Uh, and those things are valuable and we need to hear those things. And so I don't want to belittle you out, your outcry of your pain. But I want to challenge you to not just communicate your pain, but hear someone else's. And I, I just feel like in, in this season, especially, we are called to feel one another's pain uh, and to experience it ourselves. And not only that, but we are called uh, to hope with others, join their hope. Uh, and so a lot of the times we, uh, again, are selfishly motivated and we're just thinking about what we're hoping in and what we're hoping for. And we're not aware of what others are hoping for and contending for. And so I just want to challenge you, uh, figure out one way someone's feeling pain and I want you to sit with them in it. And, uh, and one thing that someone's hoping in, and I want you to hope 
for them and with them in some way, whether that's uh, caring for them financially, caring for them uh, in prayer, fasting for them, uh, coming over to their house and just sitting with them and praying together. I just want to encourage you to do those things. What we see in the life of Jesus, going back to hope, hope requires a pain. Um, there's, there's no hope without pain. Why, why would we have hope if there wasn't pain? Um, uh, hope requires a pain, but it also requires a promise, some confident expectation that's been given to us. And I want you to see that, that within all of these things, Jesus has entered your pain so that you might enter his promises. And so when, when Jesus comes and gives this living hope, he's saying, I've entered your pain so that you might enter my promises. And so today, as we set our hope fully on the grace of God being brought to us at the revelation of Jesus, we are just slowly taking steps forward in this acknowledgement of Jesus, you know my pain, you felt my pain. And God, you've given me access on the cross to experience and to know your promises and to claim them over my life and to be blessed and to know your pleasure and delight and love in me. Do you know in this house, God delights in loving you. God has delighted from eternity past in, in loving you. His pleasure is over you because of his son. He wants to love you this morning and he wants to place a deep hope within you that will never fade, that is never going to end, that will continue far surpass this world as it fades away. And every other thing we've placed in our hope is, is discouraging us and falls away. And so I just want us to end with some worship and to respond. So would you guys stand and the band comes up? Maybe you're in the house and... Um, you feel like just as the Frisbee flew over your head that, that hope has passed you by. And I just want to say hope is coming and he's coming in Jesus and Jesus is real and he is for you. And our hope in this first advent is, is just the grace of God has come and it's revealed himself. And in the second, the, the grace of God is being fully realized on the earth and all pain and all tears and all sadness and all sin is going to die forever in our lives and in the lives of the world. And he is going to restore and renew all things to himself. Uh, and I'm just excited about this first advent, but I'm even more excited about this second advent, the second coming of Jesus. And this is the one we are to set our hope fully on this grace of God that's going to be revealed in Jesus. And so if you're, you're here this morning and you would just say, God, I want to set my hope more fully in you. I just want to say it's available to you this morning. And I, and I would say all of us, none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived in this place and set our hope fully in God. And that's why we've been commanded to do it because we haven't done it. And, and I just love that, that God commands us and calls us and invites us into something uh, that is more precious than anything the world could offer and give us. And so this morning, if you want to place your hope more fully in God, I'll just encourage you to come forward to receive prayer from one of our life group leaders and to allow them into a pain that you're feeling and allow them into a hope you are longing for. And I, and I just ask that you'd come forward, not as a display of how broken you are, but as a display of how hungry you are for God this morning, for him to show up in your life and for him to pour out this hope over your life and, and for you to jump into it fully, for you to dive in, for you to experience it and to set your hope fully on his coming. Uh, and, and if you have anything else going on that you're holding on to that you just want to let go this morning, I, d I just want to say, let go of it this morning 
and let someone else into it so they can help you drop it, so they can help you let go of whatever that is. And so if I haven't mentioned what that specific thing is on your heart, I just ask that you would have the faith to respond to Jesus even now. And so as the leaders come forward to pray, would you, uh, would you seek the Lord? Would you respond in this moment? This revelation requires a response of you and it is your delight to respond. Jesus, we thank you, Lord. Thank you, God, that you entered our pain. God, that we might enter into your promises, God. God, we just say as a people, we want to set our hope fully on you, God. God, because your hope remains. Lord, everything else we hope in lets us down, God. But you, Lord, your word, your promises endure forever, God. The flowers fade, we fade, God, but your word endures forever, God. So we receive, Lord, your hope this morning, God. God, would you lead us as we respond?